With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, folks, and thank you for downloading episode 143 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Folks, we are continuing our every other episode pattern here as I read chapter 7 today from my self-published book, The Bag Room. In chapter 7, it recounts a day that I will always remember in my life because it's pretty much the first day that I was, or the first time I was threatened with being fired. Um, We had a lot of fun. It It took place during the 4th of July weekend. And one of the things you have to understand about the country club is uh, we like to goof around a lot. We were a bunch of kids. I, I grew up on this golf course, and because of that, I got myself into some trouble, as did others that worked with me. And this chapter uh, recounts, as I mentioned, a time when that happened. So before we get into the uh, chapter today, I just want to remind everyone to please go out and visit our Patreon page at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash golf unfiltered. And I would uh, encourage you to take a look at the different tiers of donation support that you can provide. There's a lot of great stuff out there, including exclusive access to these podcast episodes a full 24 hours in advance than anyone else. And we are going to be recording some members-only exclusive episodes that I normally would not put out onto iTunes. How's that for a teaser? Uh, actually, that sounded really dirty. Don't don't take that to heart. <laughs> At any rate, uh, we're going to get into Chapter 7 here of The Bag Room. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Sit back, relax, and here we go. The Bag Room by Adam Fonseca Chapter 7 Golf appeals to the idiot in us and the child. Just how childlike golf players become is proven by their frequent inability to count past five. Quote by John Updike Camaraderie among the bagroom employees became sacred throughout the years. What started as introductions between two new employees eventually grew into friendships for many, especially among the bagroom guys and golf professionals. Billy and Carlos became very close friends of mine, and remain to this day. As did the golf professionals Skip, John Flock, and even the head pro, Paul Brewer. As with most friendships, however, times could get a little rough when one, or more, people thought of their job as a playground instead of a place of business. One Fourth of July at Elberton falls squarely into this category. The country club would have numerous tournaments and events for the members throughout the year, especially around spring and summer holidays like Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and Independence Day. A huge team of bagroom employees would be scheduled for each tournament, sometimes as many as seven or eight attendants in comparison to the normal two or three for a shift, and we would work our tails off for 15 hours straight. While many other lines of work have similar hours on a regular basis, this was not common for a bunch of high school-aged golf course employees wearing dress clothes and running around during a work shift. Throw in the occasional irate, 
and drunk country club member, well, things could get a little stressful. One particular 4th of July tournament took place around the time I was 18 or 19 years old during a summer break from college. I would come back to Elberton and work at the club to save a little money before ultimately heading back to college and wasting all of it on food, beer, and whatever else. On this holiday, however, I was on a schedule with Billy and Carlos, a team we jokingly referred to as the Dream Team. We were all the oldest employees in the backroom at the time and were as well known as the golf pros themselves, so we tended to get away with goofing off a lot more than any of the younger backroom boys. The members had grown to respect the three of us throughout the years, and we even established minor friendships with a few. The tournament work shift that day started at 5.30 in the morning, when Billy, Carlos, and I opened the golf shop and bag room along with both assistant pros and brewer. For tournaments, the golf professionals were required to dress in full suits for the bigger tournaments. The bag room boys wore the same color golf shirt and khaki dress pants. Everyone was on their A-game that morning, hustling to get the range cart set up for the tournament start later that morning, writing out scorecards and tee events for the tournament, and making any final last-second changes to the tournament format as needed. We would hardly sit down, but we knew generous tips would be the result of our hard work, assuming the members drank enough during their round, of course. Billy was older than me, and we were both older than Carlos. However, this Independence Day was one that we were all going to remember. Carlos was now finally over the age of 18, and therefore could legally purchase fireworks. Thinking back to this time, I often wonder why we hadn't thought of doing this before that particular year. Throughout the morning and into the afternoon, Carlos, Billy, and I contrived a master plan of not only purchasing fireworks in the spirit of the holiday, but purchasing fireworks and setting them off at the country club that evening. Skip and John were also in favor of this event, presumably so they could both get stoned and look at the shiny things in the sky, and we all agreed to keep this whole thing quiet until all the members left for the day. We also promised to not let head pro brewer know about the plan. None of us needed to get fired that evening, but we all totally needed to see a fireworks show. During a lull in the action, which usually occurred after all the tournament players were on the golf course for the shotgun, I eventually made my way out onto the course and chose an area that would serve as ground zero for the fireworks spectacular. I settled on a large fairway bunker on the 11th hole that had a great deal of sand, making it deep enough to stick fireworks into and hidden from the view of Alberton's parking lot. Billy agreed that this was a prime location, so all we needed now were the fireworks. Towards the end of the afternoon, Billy and Carlos made the 45-minute drive, while on the clock, of course, to the Indiana border to purchase the fireworks. Fireworks were illegal in Illinois, and still are, actually. Brewer had already left for the day, as was normal for the head pro, especially on the day of the tournament, leaving myself, Skip, and John in the pro shop. All the golf carts were put away except for four carts that would serve as our chariots for the evening. All the members' clubs were cleaned. Even the driving ranges closed up for the rest of the night. Within a few moments, Billy and Carlos returned to the club with three large boxes of fireworks and smiles from ear to ear. This was really happening, and it was going to be awesome. Skip and John had put together a few coolers of beer for us to take out onto the course. Skip and John had put together a few coolers of beer for us to take out onto the course. I had a few of those long grill lighters in my car to light the various noisemakers we had purchased. Billy and Carlos were pulling up three golf carts for us to use as our getaway vehicles, you know, just in case. We sat around in the bag room for a little while while waiting for the last club members to go home and for the night sky to fall over the golf course. Once we agreed that the coast was clear and it was dark enough outside, we loaded up our carts and made a dash towards the 11th hole's fairway bunker. 
Beer was already flowing at this point, which probably wasn't the greatest idea considering the amount of ammunition we were about to light on fire in a fucking bunker with absolutely zero prior experience. Setting up the fireworks show was a lot easier than we originally thought. In an effort to not lose a limb or kill one another, we all decided to light one firework at a time. Many beers were drank, many lights and sounds were seen, and most of the 11th hole became a graveyard of used fireworks and ash. One particularly large firework failed to light right away. That is until Carlos walked over to kick the bowl-shaped brick of explosives. Carlos quickly jumped back, beer still in hand, mind you, just before the fireworks started spraying all over the golf course. When it finally fizzled out, a small patch of grass in the fairway had been charred. None of us seemed to care, however. We were having an absolute ball. Hey, who's that up at the top of the hill? Billy asked as he pointed with his beer bottle. We all turned to look. Sure enough, at the top of the hill was what looked like a golf cart carrying two people, one of which was holding a flashlight. The cart was stationary, and we couldn't hear anything the two people were saying to one another, nor could we determine who our visitors were. Skip had just finished taking a huge hit off of a bong he had brought down along for the show. Not sure, man, he said just before exhaling a large puff of smoke. Probably just one of the cooks or something. Who gives a shit? None of us did. We certainly did not give a shit. We probably should have. The following day at work was rough for all of us. I had the luxury of working the late shift that afternoon. However, Billy and Carlos were on the schedule for the morning. While walking from my car towards the clubhouse, I saw Billy riding in a golf cart towards me. He did not look happy. Dude, heads up. Brewer is on a rampage. Billy had a full lip of tobacco, which he only chewed when incredibly stressed. Remember the cart we saw at the top of the hill last night? That was the general manager of the club. I rolled my eyes, which was just about all I could muster thanks to the horrendous hangover I was fighting that afternoon. Let me guess. He called Brewer? Mm-hmm. Billy patted the seat next to him as he nodded. I climbed in the cart and we made our way to the bag room where Brewer was already waiting for me. I climbed out of the cart and walked towards Brewer while rubbing my head. The head pro was sitting on the bag room workbench and had an expressionless demeanor. Go upstairs, Bill. I need to talk to Silk. Brewer then turned his attention to me as Billy walked through the men's locker room door in the back of the bag room. Silk, I want you to listen to me very carefully, and I want you to be very careful when you answer this question, because I already know everything. Were you one of the employees out here last night shooting off fireworks? Yep, I was. I didn't even consider telling a lie. I didn't feel good enough to think of any excuses, let alone a fabricated alibi. I apologize, boss. Brewer nodded and continued. Look, I know you're sorry, but that doesn't really cut it. You have to understand something, Silk. Regardless of whether I'm here on the property or not, I'm still your employer and am therefore responsible for my employees, which includes you, Billy, Carlos, and the pros, and the well-being of those people. Do you have even the slightest idea what could have happened if you or someone else injured themselves? No. I just kept my eyes down towards my feet. Exactly. And that's what pisses me off the most. None of you even stopped to consider the consequences for what could have happened. Maybe someone would have blew a finger off or something. Now, I'm not your parent, Silk, but for fuck's sake, you gotta be smarter than that. You and the others put me in a horribly difficult situation. This country club has a board of directors, and now I have to explain to them why five of my employees were on this golf course last night lighting illegal fireworks and drinking beer. Underage drinking. 
in most cases. Brewer went on to explain that he had suspended both Skip and John for a few days with no pay for their part in the evening. He mentioned that their reprimand had to be more strict because they were supposedly the responsible parties. Carlos, Billy, and I were not going to get suspended. We were just getting a warning this one time. When he was finished explaining, Brewer looked at me and said, It should go without saying that if you ever get involved in something like this again, you will no longer have a job. I will not hesitate to fire you right there on the spot. You have to understand something, Silk, and I'm going to tell you this not as your employer, but as someone older than you. I understand you wanted to have a good time. I understand it's fun drinking a bunch of beer, smoking a little pot, doing whatever you want to do at your age. I did the same thing. But you have to learn when to say no to some people. You have to learn from experiences like this and understand that just because something sounds like a good idea doesn't mean it actually is. Paul Brewer saw us more than just his bagroom employees. I truly feel that he eventually saw us as friends and that maybe something a little more than that throughout the years. He and his wife never had children, despite trying numerous times for what I have been told, and he would have his country club employees come over to his house every so often to help out with his lawn work, have a barbecue, or even just sit around and talk. That afternoon, in between being scolded for my role in the fireworks situation and not being more responsible for my actions, I learned something about Brewer that I hadn't seen before that weekend. The man worked hard for his job, and he expected the same dedication from everyone else on his team of employees. He never expected anything less than perfection from us, and we were able to provide that level of service for him in the country club most of the time. However, at times like that Independence Day, we disappointed Brewer. I truly believe that he saw our lack of responsibility as a slap in his face more than a bunch of employees goofing around. Because of that, we agreed, as a bagroom team, to not put ourselves or Brewer in that position ever again. All right, folks, we're back. That was Chapter 7 of The Bagroom. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, I remember that day very vividly. Um, I tried to remember everything that Brewer told me uh, in our little talk when I got back to work the next day. And if I remember correctly, it was pretty much word for word what was mentioned in the story. You know, a lot of these episodes from here on out, we're about halfway done with the book. Um, they're going to be a little bit more heavy-handed. I'm going to give you a fair warning. I, I learned a lot about growing up working at this golf course. Uh, to get a little personal with you guys, my parents were divorced when I was around, I think, 14 or 15, maybe even a little earlier than that. But the point being, these are very formative years, as we all know, in our lives. And I didn't really have that father figure at home all the time. That's not to insinuate that you know, I didn't, uh, I don't have a great relationship with my dad. I love my dad. Uh, we still talk and everything like that. But most of my growing up and the the male camaraderie and, and you know, learning the hard lessons, uh, that came at this golf course. And this was a hard lesson that I learned that day. And it's still something, as I mentioned a couple times, that sticks in my mind. And it's a little bit more about uh, the head pro. Uh, I, I call him Brewer in the story. That's not his real name, of course. But uh, the gentleman who was the head pro was just a great guy. Um, he definitely invited us over to his house. I mean, I think a lot of it was, too, that he just wanted to hang out with his coworkers. Uh, we were all, by that time, you know, like I said in the story, I was about 18, 19. So were my friends. Some of the younger guys weren't invited to, to Brewer's house. Uh, the, the assistant pros would go there, and we would just, you know, shoot the shit. We would, we would play horseshoes. We would... 
um, you know, drink a lot of beer and we would just sit there and, you know, just talk about members. And before too long, as we got even older, uh, some of the members also came over. And so we were all kind of just talking about everything that was going on at the golf course. And you'll learn in later chapters about how that can go poorly. Um, and so stay tuned for that as well. But I do want to just mention that, you know, it was a great, great experience. If you couldn't tell uh, by how much I'm enjoying reading these to you, it was a great experience for me working at this course. And it's something that I would never trade uh, for anything in the world. It was just something that, you know, I think we all have that first job during the summer and maybe some of us stay at a place for a long time like I did. And we become friends with these folks. And I feel that you know, if there's any parents listening, you know, if you ever want to get your kids involved in a summer program or, or a summer job, consider a golf course. I, I really believe that. Yeah, they're going to get in trouble. Uh, hopefully not as much trouble as my friends did, because believe me, there's a lot that I'm not including in this book or I didn't include in the book. But it's a great way to grow up and just understand how business works, um, how customer service is supposed to be ran. I know there's a lot of negative connotations sometimes about the uppity nature of a country club or a golf course, but whatever. I mean, we had different people from all different ethnicities that worked there. Uh, the, even the membership, I mean, the Joliet area where I grew up in Illinois is very diverse, and we had a very diverse membership. And so it was really a great way for me to kind of be exposed to different cultures and the way that, you know, different people behave and just all sorts of really valuable career skills that I've brought with me uh, throughout the rest of my life. And I'm 35 now. So anyway, that's enough PSAs for today. I really appreciate you guys listening. We're going to be back again next week with a guest. Again, our every other uh, week pattern that we're doing. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Please go out to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash golfunfiltered. I hope you guys can offer some support. Until next week, this is your buddy Adam signing off.